You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. Our theme scripture for 2023 is Philippians 2 and 5, which states, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Based upon the verse, specifically the little word let, we as the people of God have to master letting or allowing certain things to happen. Specifically things that pertain to God. We have to get to the point to where we primarily put into action the three meanings of let or allow. Number one, we have to be firm when it comes to agreeing with something or somebody. Especially when that somebody is God or that something is the revelation he gives us week in and week out. We have to be in agreement because if we are a church that is divided, according to Matthew 12, 25, we are not going to stand. Desolation is going to be able to come into the church. And when, a, and when a church is filled with desolation, one thing in particular will start to manifest. That being unhappiness. Unhappiness will start to manifest because people are not receiving the benefits or the blessings of God. And I don't know about you, I love to receive what God has ordained for his children to have. I love to receive the good measure, the press down, the shaken together, and the running over. But I'm not a greedy person in the sense of not desiring my brothers and sisters to receive the same thing. I desire to see the people of God blessed all over the church, all over the connection. I want to see folk Bless of God. And I understand that there is a distinction between the blessings of God and, and the blessings of a person. Especially a person that is in sin. Proverbs 10 and 22 tells us that the blessings of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. That basically says to us that we can become rich simply by thinking, talking, and doing according to the written and revealed will of God. And to be rich based upon that verse simply equates being productive in every aspect of our lives. Not just having money, but having 
the capacity to go wherever you desire to go in order to spend that money. Say to your neighbor, but it only comes corporately if we are on the same page. We cannot allow desolation. We cannot allow division to get in our churches. But then we also have to consider that let or allow also means to yield completely to something or somebody. I said to yield completely to something or somebody. Specifically to our God and to who God has placed in authority. One of the worst things you can be as a child of God is rebellious in reference to your pastor specifically because he's teaching or preaching a word that seemingly steps on your toes all the time. You have to be to the point to where you are so hungry that whatever God has ordained for you to have or whatever God sees in your life that you need, you're going to come to God's house ready to receive. You have to yield completely and you have to be to the point to where you cannot allow anything or anybody to stop you from yielding and receiving the word of God. Why is that so important? Well, based upon what Jesus told the devil in Matthew 4 and 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We got to eat the word like we like eating our favorite meal. That means we got to come to the house of God hungry. We know how we are when we go to a restaurant hungry. We can't wait to get the menu and we be wondering how long is this going to take? I'm hungry. That's how we need to be in the house of God in order to be satisfied or feel. Because Jesus said if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you're going to be satisfied. You're going to be filled. Needs are going to be met. Desires are going to be granted. And lastly, when it comes to let or allow, it has to do with praise or valuing highly. We have to be to the point to where receiving God's word means more than we can express to us. We have to be to the point to where worshiping is significant or important to us. Not just every now and then. We have to be consistent. We have to make it our business to come to God's house and receive from him as often as the doors open. Somebody agrees with that. By a show of hands, how many love God's house? And you come to praise him. You come to show him how much you value him. How much you value his word. How much you value what he has Done, he's doing, and he's going to do. 
And so we have to make it our business to let or allow to manifest in our life by displaying agreement, yielding completely, and showing God most of all how much we love and appreciate him. We have to do that. Now, Paul and the Hebrew writer took things further when it comes, or Paul and James, I should say, took things further when it came to letting. And the Hebrew writer desired the people of God to hold fast to their confession of hope. Let us hold fast to our confession of hope. Hence, we have to adhere to what we are hoping for, are hoping in. We have to declare a testimony based upon the written and revealed will of God of what we are expecting, what we are looking for. And we have to be steadfast going through the process until God manifests what we are hoping for. Because according to Romans 8, 24 and 25, if you see what you're hoping for, it's not valid hope. It's not bona fide. But the writers say if, if we hope for what we do not see, get this, we wait for it. But notice how eagerly. You, you ever seen folks waiting, but they are worried because they, they are wondering if it's going to come or not. That's not a child of God that's in a state of let. When a child of God is in a state of let and hoping, holding fast to what he or she is hoping in, they're eager. Looking forward to that thing that you done seen in the magazine. That you don't actually visited the site and seen the color that you want. Seen the type seats that you want. You, you've seen everything that you desired in reference to the particular thing. And now you're just hoping and waiting. You're waiting for God to give you the go ahead. Because you understand that, that your hope brings forth, get this, salvation. 
Romans 8 and 24 says in part, we were saved in this hope. That simply means that salvation is a part of the hope process. And we understand, biblically speaking, that salvation is threefold. It first of all has to do with deliverance. When God brings you out of whatever has you bound. But secondly, God protects you. He protects you from danger seen and unseen, known and unknown. And finally, he causes you to prosper. He reveals to you his hand or his omnipotence, letting you know it's bigger than you or is not completely about you, but is him using you in order to manifest his glory and his power. And so we have to understand in the midst of waiting for God to manifest what he promised, that we have to expect salvation. Whether you're waiting on a thing or whether you're looking to God to heal you from your crown to the sole of your feet. You can't be in doubt. You can't be in a mourning state. You have to be in an eager state. You have to be to the point to where you're like the psalmist who said, I'm waiting on him more than those that's looking for the morning or watching for the morning. You got to expect God to show up and as the old folks say, show out. You got to expect God not only to show up, but to do what Paul talked about, exceeding abundantly above more than you ask or think. I got to move on, but ask your neighbor, are you hoping for something? Are you looking forward to something? Are you looking and expecting God to do what eyes have not seen, ears have not heard? Some of us know what it is to be in a state of expectation and, and watch God show up and show out. Some of us know what it is to be in a state of expectation and watch God move to the point to where not only does he do what you ask, but God causes things to come not only from four directions, but seven directions. Is so awesome to where the only thing you can utter out of your mouth is can't nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody do me like Jesus. I said can't nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody do me like Jesus. Oh, that must not be your testimony in the middle section. I better say it one more time. Can't nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody do me like Jesus. But when you're hoping, you have to understand it, it does not always look like you're going to receive what you're holding fast for. Sometimes it looks like the antithesis or the opposite. Like what you've been praying for for days is not going to manifest. 
to the point to where you start wondering and, and you start operating according to Hebrews 10 and 35. It's a battle when it comes to your hope or your confidence. And the Holy Spirit is constantly pushing you and urging you not to cast away your confidence. And he tells you why. Because it has great reward. Somebody in here know what it is to be hoping for something. But something is battling. Something is coming against your mind. Trying to convince you that God is not going to do what he said. But say to your neighbor, God is the only one I know. That has not lied. I like the way the Hebrew writer put it. It's impossible for him to lie. Bottom line, he cannot do it. It's not in his character. It's not in his nature. It's not a part of his being. That's the reason, again, we have to say fully can't nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody do us like Jesus. But sometimes... When you're waiting on God to manifest salvation, to manifest what you've been dreaming of, what you've had visions of, what you've been testifying about, it's a battle to the point to where you're, you're not only battling mentally, you cut on the television and somebody is actually talking something negative that's in reference to what you're going through. They're not talking to you directly. It, they're indirectly saying things, but it's affecting you because you're listening to it and, and, it, and that thing has been sent your way in order to try to cause you to backslide or to loose your hold on the promise of God. But say to your neighbor, whatever you do, don't you lose. Don't you lose. You hold on to your confession of hope. Matter of fact, encourage three people. Hold on to your confession. Shout at one more person. Hold on. You're waiting for your healing. Hold on. Yeah, the doctor and said it wasn't going to happen. But I come to tell you to hold on to your confession. You've been testifying about your healing. You've been turning in victory, talking about how God going to show up and show out. But now the enemy is attacking you on every side. But you got to hold on. Your hoping is not. But then, you also have to be very careful, very careful. Because in the midst of you waiting eagerly, a spirit of wavering 
are a person that's wavering and manifested in being pessimistic will knock on your door. in order to try to get you yes to keep thinking about what God said but also trying to convince you to get you an alternative I know you ain't sister but you got to use some common sense. Do you have an alternative if it don't happen in 10 days? Or have you even given yourself a time limit? See, wavering in one sense has to do with being indecisive. One moment, you're boldly talking about what God is going to do. But three days later, after trials, tribulations, and adversity, you're wondering if you should go down another path. And so you start going This way, but then you think about it and you go back the other way. And when you start going to and fro, your behavior is that of a wave or a double-minded person and all of us have been there because you can really be hoping waiting on the manifestation of God's promise but then an enemy an unseen enemy will show up and and just say it's been 15 days and nothing has happened You don't think you need to start looking in some more places? <laughs> and before you know it, you're praying, but you're also to and fro. You're clapping with the praise team, but you're also to and fro. You are a minister of God. You lead prayer on Sunday morning. But in the midst of leading prayer, you are double-minded. You're telling God to send his rainbow, telling God to send his anointing, but at the same time, you're wondering if he's going to do what you've been asking him to do.
You don't know it. You're just wondering. Why? Because you have entered into that place of being double-minded. And so you start struggling with your Christianity to the point to where it leads you down a path and you start acting completely out of character. Oh, you'll give God his, his, his tithes. But the offering you have been known for giving God, you, you shortchanging him. Get this, after telling folks, you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. Double-mindedness, wavering, being indecisive is nothing to play with. You have to tell that enemy because it is an enemy. You say, why is it an enemy? Because double-mindedness causes a child of God Not to receive anything from God. Two minds and you've been praying but you've been back and forth and you have the audacity to ask the question, wonder why God ain't did it. He can't. He can't. Because Your double-mindedness causes him to withdraw. Again, James 1, 6 through 8 says in part that when you're double-minded or unstable in all your ways, you're not going to receive anything. But notice how specific he is. From the Lord. You'll still be getting your check from your job. That little side hustle will still be be bringing in a few coins. Ain't nobody bless you like Jesus. Woo! I said can't nobody bless you like Jesus. You wouldn't have that car, that house. You wouldn't even have good health if it had not been for the finger of God touching your life. Nobody can do you like Jesus. Everybody in here that's saved has a testimony of what God has done is And what you're desiring him to do. Why can't nobody do you like him? You're you're in a place right now where where the vice president, somebody who should know a whole lot about finances, (laughs) said we couldn't have it. We in it. You know what that says to me? You can't always trust the expert. I said, you can't always trust the expert. 
When you make up in your mind that you're not going to be double-minded, God will drop a blessing on you that will leave you speechless. Folk will be asking you, how in the world did you get that? You'll be like, but, but I, God, God did it. I, 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 I. But not if you're double-minded. Not if you shout when you when pastor is preaching and you say, that's my rhema. But then you go home. Get a bill out the mailbox and allow that bill to quench your spirit and put doubt on the inside of you. Your double mind and say to your neighbor, you're not going to get anything from the law. And I went through a period to where, in hindsight, I knew certain things were not happening to me because I had been in a state, a condition of indecisiveness. I was double-minded. I mean, it seemed like the heavens had just shut. Nothing was coming out the windows. And I got to say, well, it, it's, maybe God want me to go through a trial and so forth. It, it wasn't that. Because you want to tell you something about God. God will bless you even when you go through trials. <laughs> Woo! God will bless you even in the midst of trouble. When Job went through it, God was yet blessing him. When David went through it in the midst of his sorrow, in the midst of his frustration, God was still God in his life. But not when you're double-minded. I got to looking around me. I, I, I got to seeing other saints getting blessed. And I was like, man, I thought God wasn't no respecter person. I was praying for, for, for that before he even got it. And now he got it. I'll never forget when the Holy Spirit dropped in me. James 1, 6 through 8 is your reign. I was so excited about going to James 1, 6 and 8. I didn't know it back then like I know it now. I went to my table of contents. I found out where James was. I got to... Go.
going through my Bible. You know how we used to do it when we first get saved. Just looking through it trying to find him. You skip it and you say, well, it said it was on page such and such. Now, I, I, wait a minute. Let me see. Okay. And when I read the verse, it was a portrait of my life at the time. I couldn't deny it. I, I couldn't deny that, that I was a person that, that, that on Monday I was in Hallelujah City. But then on Tuesday, I was going down Doubt Street. Hallelujah. Wonder if he going to do it. And for a good while, didn't receive anything from him. Oh, my little check was still coming, but 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 you'll get to the point to where you you know that 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 check is not your source. Oh, some of y'all ain't got to that point, but some of us in here done found out that check is wonderful, but is not your source. Your job can shut down tomorrow morning. But your source will never shut down. You know what he promised? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be right there. Look at your neighbor and say to him or her, it's time for you to loose wavering. You got to release it. You got to let it go. Sever that relationship. Don't give wavering a two week notice. Tell them you got to go now. You got to go now. You're hindering my blessing. You got to go now. You're hindering my future. You got to go now. You're hindering my good measure. Press down. Shaking together and running over. You got to go. You're hindering my Jehovah Rapha. My healing. You got to go. Listen to this. Sit down. Listen to this. Matthew 18 and 18. Jesus said in part, whatever you lose or release on earth, I'm going to make sure it's released. I'm going to release it in heaven. And where Jesus will allow his power to come forth and destroy that stronghold of indecisiveness, double-mindedness. Because when that thing really gets rooted in your being, you can't get rid of it on your own. 
But if you make up in your mind, I'm going to lose this. The power of God will come and back up what you say. Pastor, how is he going to back up what I say? Have you not read Proverbs 18 and 21? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And he that uses it shall receive his fruit. All you got to do is speak it by faith. Speak it with authority. And then leave after you speak it, thinking it talking it and operating according to the word. Say to your neighbor, God got your back. So in a loose wavering, you've been double-minded, you've been wondering, you've been looking for an alternative, loose it. Your last day being double-minded and not receiving what God has ordained for you is at hand. God gave me this message for you. Yeah, you in your pretty suit tonight. Yeah, you got that flawless dress on. You got your hair just right. But you're still been battling double-mindedness and again tonight is your night loosen so God can free you of it Because I'm going to tell you something about God. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to have his blessings. Third John 2 says, well, John prophesied basically, Beloved, I wish above all, that you prosper and be in health even as your soul does. You want that for me, Lord? Yes. Then Jesus himself wanted people to understand clearly that he came for them to prosper. He said in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but for the steal, kill, and destroy. But not me. <laughs> I have come so you can have some life and so you can have it more abundantly. I don't want you just wonder sharpen. I want you to have what you see in the window. I don't want you going to the store and, and, and see it and then run to the dressing room and try it on but then come back out and hang it back up even though and then look at it and say I hope I can get that one. You ain't got a hope if you just do right by God. Say to your neighbor he came that you might have life and that more get this 
author, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 10 and 23, told the saints to hold fast to their confession of hope. He wanted them to know that God was faithful. He's faithful. He's loyal. He'll do what he promised. And that has to get in your being like it was in Paul's being. When he talked to the Corinthian church that at one time was in dire straits. He said to them in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, all of the promises of God in him are yes, in him, amen. Yes, he fulfills his promise. Amen. Amen means in one sense that he sends it. Ahead of time. When you pray, God goes ahead based upon your prayer of faith and sends what you have put before Him. All you have to do is go through the process until you reach the manifestation. That's, that's the reason Jesus boldly said in Matthew 7. Seven and eight. Ask and it shall be given. Seek. You'll find. Knock. And it'll be open. And then he wanted them to know that God, God is no respect of person. He said for everyone that asks. Everyone that seeks. Everyone that knocks. Is going to get the promise. Ask and it shall be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock and it shall be open. Everyone. Everyone. But, but see, when you're double-minded, you, you'll think the only one getting blessed is the pastor. And three more folk. You better look real close because there are some pastors that's living next door to poverty. You better take a close look. There are some churches. You wonder why in the world are they still staying open. It's obvious that the blessings of God has left or ceased. God is no respecter of person. Again, he says he is faithful. Who? promise. He's faithful. Say your name. He's faithful. faithful. I, I got to show you a couple of things. Then, then I'm going to be done. I got I to show you this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. Let's, let's deal with the faithful God. Y'all stay with me. I'm almost done. Hebrews 10 and 13. 
No temptation has, get this, overtaken you. He was talking to church. They, they were in a place of temptation, a testing. And look what happened. They were overpowered. They were overpowered. But, but, but notice what he drops on them. Now this is a church. This is what he said to the church. No temptation has overtaken you, church member, except, this is somewhat of an insult, such as is common to man. You're crying about what even sinners go through. You allow to over you allow something to overtake you that happens to all people. Oh, look at the verse. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to who? Not common to the church, common to humans. But it overpowered saints. See, see, we are in a day and time to where sinners are more bold than saints. Sinners strive to sin hard. And saints are half-hearted when it comes to praising God. Sinners will put in 12 hours a day, 24-7, to make their sin thing work. Saints act as if Bible study and Sunday morning worship. is too tedious to bear. Two days. Complain about two days. And we wonder why sinners are becoming millionaires and saints are still struggling with stuff. That they were struggling with when they first received Jesus. This was an embarrassment. When you read this verse, you have to understand. He had to tell the church, ain't nothing overtaken you except that which is common to folk. But then, even though they, they thought it was a great thing, look what he drops on them about the faithfulness of God. Get this. He says, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape. That you may be able to bear it. But you can get in such bad shape in reference to double mindedness. You won't even recognize your way out. God will send you a rhema saying give and it shall be given unto you. Talking specifically to you. But you're so double minded. 
to where you don't even see that that rhema is trying to show you your way out of financial despair. But let's don't stop there. Let, let, let's go to the book of uh, 2 Timothy. Y'all stay with me. Stay with me. I'm almost done. Yes, I am. I'm almost done. 2 Timothy. Y'all all right? Yeah. 2 Timothy 2. Consider verse 13. I love this verse. Paul said to Timothy, If we are faithless, we doubt day in and day out. God remains faith. Why? He cannot deny himself. Walker, you don't believe it, but I'm telling you, I'm going to do it. You just got to keep thinking, talking, and doing according to my word. But look at the verse. Even when you're faithless, you just don't believe he's going to show up and show out. He's still faithful. He cannot deny himself. He can't get off the path that he's on. Why? He changes not. Malachi 3 and 6, God changes not. Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday. And forever. He is faithful. That promise. In my clothes. In the book of Romans, the fourth chapter. Around the 20th verse. But the whole chapter is good to read in reference to what I'm, what I'm getting ready to talk about. Paul reminded the saints at Rome about something that had, had happened centuries before they were born. He brought up Abraham. But he specifically was trying to encourage the saints of God not to waver. They want them to waver. And so he told them Abraham did not waver at the promise of God. And get this, even though God had promised him that his wife was going to have a baby at the age of 90 plus. Y'all holding on? And it was nothing in her that scientifically speaking you can't always trust science. That said she could have a baby. For some of y'all logical folk, it was not logical. But Abraham could not talk about Sarah. Because when it came to Abraham, 
my brothers, he was impotent. He was dead. Two dead people that God gave a promise. Get this, of life. I'm going to give you something lively. Something that bounce. I'm going to give you a bouncing baby boy. And I'm going to do it, Sarah, and you're 90. And I'm going to do it, Abraham, and you're almost 100. Or was he 100? I can't remember. But nevertheless, let me continue with my story. And so, Sarah... Initially, when God told her what he was going to do, she laughed. And God took it as an insult and asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Ask her, is there anything too hard for me? Say to your neighbor, it's still on the table. Is there anything too hard for God? You better look at your notes. You better look at that report that's talking negative and ask that report. Is there anything too hard for God? Or tell that report, child of God, there is nothing that God cannot do. Sarah laughed. But Paul gets revelation and says to us in Romans 4, he did not waver at the promise of God. I know ain't nothing working, but he going to do it. And believe you me, he knew when nothing worked. Am I right, brothers? It wasn't working, but he said, he going to do it. He going to do it. Say to your neighbor, God can cause that which is dead to be resurrected, to be made alive. All you have to do is loose wavering and watch God work. And I'm done. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Come on, let's give him a big.